You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, coming to you live from Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am, you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. Learn how to study the Bible more effectively. Get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going, and experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm Kamalina, hosting today with Jason Cook, and we have David Maxwell joining us from Launceston for his new series, The Word of God. Welcome, David. Melina and Jason, how are you both today? Yeah, doing well, doing well. <laughs> doing really well. It's good to have That's you back right. with us, uh, David. And uh, Thank you. I'm going to ask you to share something in a moment, but before we do, I'm going to take an opportunity to share a promo for a little program we're running down in Hobart here. We've got a program that's actually being run by Libby Herganen, who presents on our Friday program sometimes, and she'll be speaking. Uh, back with us next Friday, not tomorrow, but the week after. Um, this program is called Lifestyle Medicine, and it's a presentation, demonstration, and tasting or samples of uh, food that she's preparing as well. So it's a four-week program where you can discover how lifestyle and food choices have a significant impact on your health. And uh, Libby's an excellent presenter and speaker. She's done a lot of research into this area and she'll be presenting this uh, starting on the 27th of October for four weeks at 7pm. So they're about one and a half hour sessions, 7pm in the Hobart area. So if you're listening in the Hobart area, we'd love to have you come along to these um, presentations and uh, demonstrations of preparing food, and then we also get to taste it. I'm going to be going. I don't know about you, Carmelina. Are you going to go? Oh, maybe. I think so. Let's see if I have <laughs> I'll, time. <laughs> I'll be there. So uh, you can text Eat Well 22. That's no spaces. Eat Well 22. Text that into 0488880891, and our system will send you back a message with the link where you can book where you can register, and if uh, you just want to get more information, you can do that there as well. So now, David, uh, that's got the promos out of the way. Every Mm. week uh, you present, you love to share a little bit of a story, and uh, you've been sharing in the past episodes about the blessings in your life. Um, But I think today you're going to do something a little bit different to do with the Word of God. Yeah, that's right, Jason. I, I'm sharing so much that there's going to come a time when, with my memory, people are going to know more about me than I know about myself. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> look, that, as I suggested last week, what in this series uh, entitled The Word of God, what I really want to do is share what my journey with God's Word has looked like as we go along. And so today I want to share my experience of beginning my journey when I was coming back to God. Now, it's a very important thing. Now, when I was going through Bible college, I had a lecturer who said to me, a very important thing with Christian growth, he said, don't ever believe your doubts and doubt your beliefs. He says, doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs. So be firm on what you believe, but doubt those things that might draw you away. And I thought that was a really wise thing. So as I was coming... i have to try to remember that. That's doubt your doubts... And believe your beliefs. And believe your beliefs, yeah. That's good. Yeah, I love that. Try to remember that. 
Mm. And I found this is what I was doing right at the very beginning. I'd left God, as I've shared in the past, and I was coming back to God after about six years. And so I kind of came from a place of no religion, if you like. So I was doubting my doubts. I really was. Um, but I was also believing my beliefs. And, and uh, this was a kind of, it tripped me up a little bit for a while. Because when you're, when you're wanting to study the, God, the Word of God uh, faithfully, you have to also leave your biases behind. Mm. Now, that's, that's very difficult because you have that mindset of the things you've been taught, the things that you know, and you have to leave those behind. What I found the best when you're studying God's Word is to come to it with as fresh a mind as you possibly can and let the Bible speak to you. That's something technically called exegesis. When we allow our thoughts, our processes, our, um, our, our background knowledge to actually interpret the Bible, that's called eisegesis. So we're putting our interpretation on the Bible. And I found coming away from God for some time, I was sometimes in a better place because I was just saying, well, now I've discovered one thing in the Bible that was true, that was against the things I learned in the past. Now I actually have to just take the Bible at its, at its, um, on its word. And so I studied that way and I found that much, much better to actually discover what the Bible itself is teaching us. That's uh, so important, isn't it? That, you know, so often I, I write music, David, sometimes, mm. Um, mm. although not as often as I'd like to. Um, and sometimes it's just so important to take a break when you get a bit stuck on things, you take a break, you come back and have a fresh look at it. And it's mm. amazing how much more productive you can be when you've taken a break and you come back and have a fresh look. And I guess that's in a way a little bit like what you're saying. Sometimes you take a break, you come back, you see it with fresh eyes. You see, mm. um, yeah, see, you can see it differently rather than being stuck in your old ways of thinking. Yeah, so I'll come back to that in a moment when mm. we share about our listener question. But you've got some other promos. Yes, so um, last week we started our our uh, new series. This is the second program in the new series, um, The Word of God. And uh, last week we covered from, I guess, Adam through to the flood, through to mm. Noah. And uh, do, do you want to just give us a, a quick recap on that before we um, go on? One minute recap is is that God had his way of speaking his truths to Adam. Adam was so old that he lived for such a long period that he was able to personally recount those things God had taught him and the things he had learned about sin and obedience. He was able to recount them all the way down to Lamech, which was the grandfather of, oh, sorry, the, the father of Noah. Mm. And so God was able to keep all of that alive by, by that personal uh, first person um, recollection of the event of the events and and that the uh, the the I guess the word of God was handed down mm. uh, orally through that um, just only a few generations really wasn't it really yeah um, so if you want to go back and have a listen to that last episode zero four double eight oh sorry not <laughs> you can't listen on the text number <laughs> we'll come back to that um, the Faith FM app and uh, the Faith FM website is where you can listen to the past episodes but uh, our number zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one that's where you can take advantage of our offers today, but also we're going to have a question in a moment, and we'd love to hear from you today. So do text us in 0488 
880891. So we've got a question today, David. Yeah, so today as we're going through, as we're continuing in this uh, this uh, series, today I want to cover the spoken word of God from the flood up to the exile um, where the Israelites go into Egypt. But before the break, as, as you said, I'd like to get some input from our listeners on this question. What was something that you really had a question with early on when you read the Bible that you've since found an answer for? So I'll read that again. What was something that you really had a question with early on reading the Bible and you've since found an answer for? So I'll share something in just a minute. I'll try and keep it short. One of the things for me was this sign that Jesus gave. He he was talking to the Pharisees. They were asking for proof that he was the Messiah. He said, you're not getting any proof. This is the only sign you're going to get. And he says, just like Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And he was quite specific in the wording that he used. With my biases, I thought that he meant in the grave. And when I looked at the biblical story of Jesus' death, he's in the grave Friday night, Saturday night, raises on Sunday morning. Okay, you can get the days looking at Hebrew interpretation. You can say part of Friday, um, all of Saturday, part of Sunday. So that was counted as three days. But there is no three nights, doesn't matter which way you cut it. Mm. So I, I couldn't get my head around that, and I wasn't going to let it shake my faith. So I put that up on the hypothetical shelf, and I, I just put that up there, and I said, I will, I will get back to that one day. <clears throat> then one day I decided it was time for me to dig that out and get an answer to it. The Bible had to have an answer because the, the sign was so important that Jesus says, this is the only sign I'm giving you that I'm the Messiah. If the sign didn't work, he's not the Messiah. Pure and simple. So I had to do some digging into the phrase that Jesus used. I thought, I'm going to put all my biases away and I'm going to use, I'm going to study heart in the Bible and the earth. And the heart, as I studied through this, I found the heart, the Bible talks about the heart being evil or wicked beyond um, all reason. So it's talking about our character, not the bit that pumps the blood around. You know, we don't have a, a um, evil heart that pumps our blood around. It's, <laughs> it's talking about our thoughts and our character. So what is the thoughts and character of the world? It's evil. So the world is evil. It's filled with sin. And as I studied that out, I realized that Jesus is talking about wickedness and evil. So what happens Thursday night? Because that has to be the third night. Yeah. Thursday night... Betrayed he was betrayed. Mm. And up until that point, he resists evil. And on Thursday night, he allows himself to go into the hands of evil. He only breaks out from that when he rises from the tomb on Sunday. So there you have your three days and the three nights in the heart of the earth. And that answered the question for me. Mm. And that's what I find you have to do. You don't let it shake your faith when you have a question that you know you've studied other things. You, this is what I believe. I believe my beliefs. Doubt your doubts and then do some study into them and try mm. and find your answer. So important to uh, to dig into the scriptures and study things further when we've got questions. Um, I, I guess in my faith um, journey there's been many questions and I've, I've, it's hard for me to put a pinpoint on it, <laughs> but... Uh, We'll, we'll go to a break now, and uh, but do remember that question. We'd love to hear from you today. Was there something that you had a question with early on when you were reading the Bible or earlier on in your Christian walk that uh, you've since found an answer for? We'd love to hear from you today. Text us in on 0488 880891. 
This is Speak, O Lord, by Simple Hymns featuring Curtis Parks. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth, plant it deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness, that the light of Christ might be seen today in our acts of love and our deeds of faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes for your Encounters with Faith FM, and we are speaking with David Maxwell on the topic of the spoken word, the flood to the exile. Before the break, we gave you a listener question, which was, "What was something that you, what was something that you had um, a question with early on when reading the Bible, and what 
And that you have since found an answer for. Let me try that again. Um, what was something that you had a question with early on when reading the Bible that you have since found an answer for? Text, text us in on 0488880891. We'd love to hear from you. So to David, uh, today, David, we are continuing the new series, The Word of God. And uh, before the break, uh, we were talking about what we did last week, which was the the Adam to the flood, really, where mm. the Word of God was handed down through the generations uh, verbally, orally. Mm. And uh, it continued for some time after the flood orally as well. So uh, mm. let's continue. We're going to go through to the time of the uh, the Egyptian period where the Israelites were in Egypt. So yes. let's, uh, let's unpack that. Yeah, thanks, Jason. And we, we, as we go through this, you'll actually see where the Egyptians come from, which is quite interesting. Mm. So today we're going to continue looking at this spoken word of God, picking up where we left off last week after the Great Flood. But first we're going to pray. I'll pray for our listeners, and then we'll read the passage that we're going to look at. So let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you that we still have your word today. And it's been changed from oral to written. Uh, We'll look at that in future weeks. And Lord, we pray that you would bless each person as they hear orally today your word spoken. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Carmelina, would you mind reading our text today, Genesis 17, 1 to 7? Absolutely. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made your father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your descendants after you in the generations, for an everlasting covenant to be to be God to you and your descendants after you. Thanks, Carmelina. Very well read. Thank you. <laughs> he was talking there about covenants. And I wanted to start with an illustration where a covenant is something meaningful to us. So 33 years ago, my wife and I entered into a covenant, an agreement or contract, if you like. We exchange vows, as you do when you get married. And we state what each of us will do. I I affirmed what I would do. She affirmed what she would do. I think there was some fine print there, but I didn't get to read that. But nevertheless. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. There's there's always fine print, David. (laughs) Yes, I think maybe that was on the back. (laughs) (laughs) But we sealed it with rings, you know. We sealed it with rings as a sign that this was a commitment for us. I still have the ring on today. Well, a different one today because I broke my original one when I was fishing once. fell off the rocks. Very fortunate I didn't take my finger off, but then we topped it off with a meal. <clears throat> so that covenant or agreement was one that continues to be binding on us for all of our life, all of our life, for as long as either one of us lives. The Hebrew word used for covenant in what you read, Carmelina, also means agreement or contract. Yeah. And it also includes the inference of being sealed 
with a meal between the two parties. And that's quite interesting because often that's exactly what happens, isn't it? Yeah. In the Bible. Mm. Mm, mm. So there's some background to this contract or agreement with uh, the covenant between God and Abraham, and it goes right back to before the flood. So before the flood, just before the flood, about 100 years before the flood, Noah has three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. They're born about 100 years before the flood, and each has a wife that they take with them onto the ark. So you can read that in Genesis chapter 10. They, they're all in the ark for just over a year. So you've heard 40 days and 40 nights. That was how long it was raining for. But they had to stay on there until the flood waters subsided. So the flood um, and all the water and the reciting of the flood, that all took just over a year, a year and about a month. And so they're all that time in the ark. When they come out, they obviously start to reproduce and they disperse across the earth. So, so far... Together with Noah, they retained the knowledge of God as shared with them by Lamech. You remember Adam shares as far down as Lamech. Lamech shares with Noah and his sons, and his sons then have that information passed on, handed on, um, entrusted to them, if you like. So Shem represent the people of God, as we'll see in a moment. So Shem is the ancestor of the Israelites through Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and they become the line that God chooses to be his representatives to the rest of the people on the earth. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, 2, that they retain the oracles of God. And we'll look at that a little bit later today. Ham, however, has this deplorable act. I won't even repeat it, but that's okay. You can read it yourself uh, in in um, in Genesis. He, through this deplorable act, he gains a curse for his bad behaviour, and from him actually come later many of the people who are hostile to God in his ways, and these are like the Canaanites, the Egyptians, um, the Assyrians, and the Ninevites. So you'll see Ham has a son called Mitzrayim, and Mitzrayim in uh, in Hebrew is means Egypt. So that's where the Egyptians come from. Huh. Japheth, while he's not openly hostile to God, he does later have descendants uh, that are hostile to God, like Magog. And Magog, in Revelation, represents those who are hostile to God. So that's really interesting. As, as you open all of these up, you see where these nations come from. And he's also, Japheth is also the ancestor to the Gentiles. So in Jesus' day, the non-Jews were called Gentiles, and they're the people in the Middle East that were called Gentiles. So you can see how they all come from the different people. So it would appear that while Shem and his descendants, far from perfect, you can see all the mistakes they make throughout the Bible. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, they, they lie, they do all kinds of things, you know, but through this far from perfect people, God has chosen one, this one group to carry on his very special verbal revelations about himself and then through them to the rest of the world. My brother was the oldest, is the oldest in our family and he retains the privilege, if you like, of being number one son. I don't know how many in your family or how many of your families actually have this number one person that's the best. I hear you laughing. You understand it. I do. <clears throat> I suppose yeah. it's fair enough, you know. It's, it's, he was not, a, it's not a son in Carmel in this uh, situation, though. <laughs> right. It's a, right. She's the number one daughter. Yes, she is. <laughs> very good. Very good. Can do so no look, wrong. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. And that's the same for him. And I suppose it's fair enough. He's the closest to them um, geographically. He visits them the most. Uh, he does the most for them. And his dad was moving into retirement home. Our number one son got the pick of all the good stuff oh, wow. <laughs> that dad had, you know, like a, a lathe that was special for dad. He used it for woodwork and metalwork and all kinds of stuff and many of his tools as well. Now, I don't mind any of that because those things really aren't, uh, aren't important, really. They're not. They have sentimental value and that's about mm. all. But I use it to illustrate how the firstborn often has pride of place in the family. Firstborn has the pride of place. Mm. Now, I don't know which was the oldest of Shem, Ham and Japheth. The Bible doesn't say. Maybe they were the first triplets. I don't know. Because it says that, that they were all mentioned together as being born to Noah when he was 500 years old, where, whereas all the others actually separated and the dates are given for when they were born. Hmm. So I don't know. Maybe they were triplets. But however, Shem is the one that God chooses to be the one through whom all the blessings and the promises will flow, not just for their sake, but to all mankind. So uh, it, it's it's quite interesting, isn't it, that uh, God chose this one group of people, one family line, that uh, to hand down that that verbal word that uh, mm. came through many ages, even after the flood. You're right. You're right, Jason. And it's clear to me that God didn't want any of that information to be lost. Mm. But for some, it does, and we're going to look at that after the break. Mm. Before we go to the break, we've had a couple of people text in and uh, we've got a question that you may want to answer as well, David. Um, but our question for today was, what was something that you had a question with early on when reading the Bible that you've since found an answer for? And uh, Stuart uh, says that he was questioning the meaning of the parable of the ten virgins. And mm. he was given a lot of superficial answers, but uh, he put it on the shelf for a period of time, maybe two <laughs> years, he says. And then God revealed it to another person. And as soon as they shared it with him, it, he knew that uh, that uh, sharing that that other person had uh, was was uh, the revelation of God. So mm. that's great, isn't it? That sometimes we have to be patient and mm. uh, we have to trust God that at some point he will give us the understanding. Now, Margie's got a question for you, David, so I'll get Carmelina to read that. Yes, her right question on. was, a friend of mine believes that Jesus is God's son and not God himself. I explained the concept of the three-leaf clover, God the head with the spirit and Jesus are all in one. Mm. I understand the I am, but there are times when it definitely sounds like the father and son are separate persons. Can mm. you answer that idea, please? Yes, we can. We can. It's Maybe almost we'll... the whole program. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's come back and answer that after the break. Absolutely. I'll add that in there. Yeah. No worries. Uh, we've got a book offer coming up, Ancient Words Present Hope. Stay tuned for that. We'll give you more details after the break. But right now, this is uh, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less by Bulla, Bolza and Achille. I'm not sure exactly whether I've said those names right. <laughs> Jesus name 
Christ the solid rock I stand All other ground is sinking sand All other ground is sinking sand by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're speaking with David Maxwell on the new series, The Word of God. And uh, we've been talking with David <coughs> excuse me, about the, uh, the topic of, of the Word and how it was handed down through the generations right up uh, until the period of Egypt is where we're covering to today and we, when we start last week at uh, the time of Adam. 
Um, now, we had a question uh, that we were discussing before the break. Carmelina, just uh, remind us what that was. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so in summary, Margie was asking uh, a question that her friend was having about the Godhead, which was, is Jesus the Son of God or is he God himself? Mm, that's a really great question, and it will take the rest of the show to answer it completely. <laughs> But yeah. I will just do the I'll just do the one minute version. Sounds okay. Great. So uh, the verses, if you're listening, Margie, to write down is First John chapter one. You need to read that. Um, that talks about Jesus because in verse fourteen it says the Word becomes flesh. So this speaks about Jesus. He was with God. He was God. So very clearly, Jesus was God and he was from the beginning and all things were made through him without him nothing was made that was made you can't make yourself so Jesus clearly was God right from everlasting that's important now when you go to the Old Testament you see two verses that will help you go to Exodus chapter 24 and you read verses 9 through to uh, 11 where it talks about God sitting down and having a meal with Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, but they don't get killed. In, in chapter 33 and verse uh, 20, Moses is asking, read a little bit around that, Moses is asking, I want to see your glory, God. God says, you can't see me and live. Mm. Okay, and... <clears throat> so he covers him up, passes by him, and he, he explains who he is rather than lets him see him. So if God can't be seen by man, who is the God that they see back in chapter 33? Clearly, it's God the Son. And throughout the Old Testament, you see these references to a man who comes and walks alongside them, and they refer to this man clearly as God. Jacob wrestles with God. God says, your name is no longer Jacob, but Israel, because you've wrestled with God and man. So it's really, really clear that there is a, an individual that is also God. And the mm. Godhead is like a family where we have a father, a mother, a child. Each has individual um, aspects to them. Each has individual jobs, but each of them is part of the Maxwell family or the family. So mm. that's the one-minute version. I think mm. I went two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we've got more uh, comments coming in. We might share those a bit later, but uh, right now we'd better get on with our program. And we were we talking better. about how God didn't want any of his words to be lost, any of the, 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 the message of God, the word of God, and it was handed down through just one family line. And uh, would you like to just unpack that a little bit more? Yes, I will. I will. So, as we were talking before the break, God wanted to make sure his words were carefully passed on. So he gave these details to the descendants of Shem, but through the others, things did get a bit confused. So many years after the flood, perhaps generations, people had begun to spread out a little bit, but they all had the same language. You can read that in Genesis 11.1. 1. Now, for time, because of the answer to those questions, we probably won't read those. But nevertheless, you can go to Genesis 11.1. 1. You can read this story about a place called Babel. Um, maybe it's because of what happened at the flood. Um, and as the story continues to get shared, there was concern that that flood might happen again. So certainly from the text it, in, in Genesis 11 and verse 4, it seems they wanted to be considered it exceptional okay building a name for yourself meant 
being ex- exceptional when you mm. look at the Hebrew of that. Like uh, the people before the flood, they were powerful people and they had a name for themselves. Okay, so this was really a, a prideful and wor- a prideful worship and a worship of self rather than a worship of God, which brings humility. So God comes down, he sees what's going on, and he says, if this is what they can do with one language, nothing's beyond them. So for their benefit, God mixes up their languages. Now, perhaps Ham and Japheth were given different languages or, you know, their lineage, or perhaps it was the Shemites that were given a different language. I don't know. Either way, it broke them up. And they all sort of congregated to um, the people who understood them. Perhaps, you know, one would say, give me a hammer and they get the saw, you know. It's like, what are you giving me? So they didn't understand each other. So they grouped together clearly in language groups and they distribute across the earth. They go their different ways. However, God ensures that he chooses a group to maintain his truths and ways that were faithful to the oral traditions that he handed down. These are called the oracles of God, as I mentioned, that Romans talks about. However, it's really interesting how many other cultures have creation and flood traditions. Um, This is really interesting. So if you go to the indigenous Australians, they have something called the Tidalic. I probably didn't pronounce that properly and platypus stories now these mention a flood that was because the 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 platypus um they didn't like the platypus the other creatures and so they um they they caused a flood and uh, the platypus survives through it and uh, they get to like the platypus there's also the tiddalik or frog he drinks up all the water and was made to spew it out again and that caused a flood the indians have uh, this is uh, the the continent of india they have the Manu and Matsaya stories. And these stories, Matsaya is a fish god. He warns Manu or the man, the human, about an impending flood and tells him to collect all the grain he can in a boat. Manu survives the flood by living on a boat during the flood. It's amazing, isn't it? Very interesting. <laughs> Chinese have the Ganyu story. This talks about a worldwide flood supposedly lasting for one or two generations. It's actually, if you read it, it's probably the closest to the biblical story. Very interesting. <clears throat> then you have the Mesopotamian or the Gilgamesh story. Some of you heard of, have heard of the Gilgamesh epic. This is a story that's captured on a Gilgamesh tablet. So this is recorded in the Arcadian cuneiform. It's in the British Museum right now, and it was supposedly written around 700 BC, but the earliest Gilgamesh poems date to around 2100 to 2000 BC. The Bible records the flood. This is very interesting. The Bible records the flood at around 2300 BC. So that's only 200 years after the flood. Very interesting, 100 to 200 years after the flood. So this tablet was discovered in Nineveh. Nineveh was built by um, Nimrod, <coughs> and he was a man that was mentioned in the genealogy. So, so it's a bit like the, um, you know, the Chinese whispers that we talked about last time, that um, as stories get handed down, you know, often things get changed. Um, but of course, uh, we we have a, a written story now in the Bible. <laughs> um, I've just That's got a question right. there. How, how do we mm. how do we know that the biblical account um, wasn't changed as well? Are you right. going to answer that? <laughs> I am. I am. So okay. 
God makes sure he keeps the true story alive by the first person retelling of the story through the lineage of Shem. So remember, you have Adam tells everyone down to Lamech. Mm -hmm. Lamech tells everyone, including Shem, Mm. and then you have the flood. Mm. So after the flood, we'll see how long did Shem live to be able to transmit that first person retelling now, remember, we talked about how people are able to even do that today and how that retelling can be very, very accurate. Mm. So God has his hand over this through these people that he selects as the ones that are going to transmit his words to everyone else. Adam, Lamech, Shem, the flood, and we'll look at the rest afterwards. We've got a couple of messages to share just before we go to a break. Um, David, we've got two different Davids. They're not the same David. David uh, messaged in to say that um, in his case he feels that the intellect of, of the person um, means more than whether you're first or second born. He says that his sister's more intelligent than him even though he was the first born. So <laughs> um, that's, uh, that may be the case, I guess. Um, it's, uh, Stuart says it's interesting that the first born is favoured but the second born often has a heart after God. That's a, that's a really interesting observation. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's experienced that himself, being the only believer in his family, and he's the second born. So, uh, and another David has come across uh, an interesting word. He says Jews refer to God as Heshem or Hashem. This is one for you, um, David Maxwell. <laughs> what does the name mean and does it have a connection to Shem? That's the word Heshem or Hashem. So uh, we'll let you think about that as we go to a break. But Kami's going to, uh, Kamalina is going to tell us about our book offer today. Yes, so our free offer today is um, the book Ancient Words, Present Hope. What the Old Testament teaches us about Revelation. So when John the Revelator studied the scriptures to learn about Jesus and God's plan for our world, he read that he read what we know as the Old Testament. So when he tried to understand and explain the visions he received on the island of Patmos, it was natural that he would use its references, symbols and ideas in his letter to the first century um, to the first century church. Such the old, as such, the Old Testament offers valuable resources for our understanding of the book of Revelation as 21st century readers, particularly its points as a new, as a new to Jesus revelation, victorious, uh, revelations, victorious lamb and coming king. Sorry. And this is Ancient Words by Michael W. Smith. In this world, they resound with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient words impart words of life, words of hope. Give us strength, help us cope.
You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we are talking with David Maxwell on the topic of the spoken word, the flood to the exile. As promised, the code to claim our free book offer. We have three copies to give away for the book Ancient Words, Present Hope, What the Old Testament Teaches Us About Revelation. Our offer code for today is WORD2. W-O-R-D-2. Um, be sure to text us in. On and that's the number two. <laughs> yes, number two. Sorry. So word, um, W-O-R-D, and the number two, no spaces. Uh, text us in on 488 to claim that book offer. We have three copies. Now, uh, before the break, we did have this question. Uh, Jews refer to God as Hisham or Hashem. And uh, do you have any understanding of that? Is it related to Shem, David? Do you want to answer that or do you want to answer it next week? (laughs) Look, I can give you a very simple answer, but we'll look at it in more detail during the week and I'll give you a deeper answer next week. It's not actually H-A-S-H-E-M or H-E-S-H-E-M. It's Hashem. Hashem. So it's a H, but the pronunciation of that H is given by the markings around it. So I wouldn't know that without actually looking at that Hebrew um, writing. And and I'll mention that in a moment. That's actually a really good uh, segue into what I want to talk about. But (laughs) nevertheless, um, Shem has a meaning, and that meaning, it could be saying they are referring um, to God as the, which is the H, the hurt means the, and the Shem is uh, the person. So they're obviously looking at the name of that person and they're calling God the ultimate one like that. Mm. All right. So that's just a short, that's just a short answer. I would have to look into much more detail about why they use that and then do some biblical research on that. So Mm. hold that over till next week. So um, we haven't got all that long, four minutes left, but uh, Mm. we're talking about the oracle of God and uh, that was sort of maintained through Shem's lineage. So correct. Can you just uh, wrap up and put it all together for us? Yeah, no trouble at all. So, as we were saying, you know, well, firstly, let me use an illustration that will sort of link into what we just talked about with Shen. Um, many years ago, uh, my, shortly after my wife and I met, she took me to her church which spoke in her native language. Now, I didn't understand that. There was no interpreter. So I would just sit and do Bible studies um, at the back of the church. Later, when I familiarized myself with Hebrew and Greek going through Bible school, I understood why my wife actually often had so many much deeper insights into certain Bible topics. Because... It, As I read the Hebrew and the Greek, you would find so much more and richer information. Uh, In her language, the word for the seventh day of the week is sabato, which means Sabbath. It means rest. So you don't, they don't say Saturday, they say rest. So what's her native language? Um, uh, it's Serbian. Serbian, okay. Oh, wow. right. Yeah, yeah, right. So their their word for Saturday is not the English Saturday. The word for Saturday means rest, mm. sabato. Um, so it's the same in the Greek and the Hebrew. Many times you read the original language, it brings a richness to the Bible stories, which is why I like them. So there's a, there's a lot to cover in just a few minutes now, but I'm just going to pick out a few key people um, that talk about uh, why this lineage of Shem, or how this lineage of Shem uh, keeps the oracles of God. I'm running out of a lot of time. So firstly, you have Abraham. Abraham was obedient to God. He firstly was called Abram. 
he he is counted as righteous because he obeys God and God changes his name to Abraham. And through that promise, um, even he makes mistakes. Um, and he has uh, two children, and those two children are the reason we have conflict today, the Arabs and the Jews. They still have this conflict. Along the way, Isaac comes along. So you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Isaac is also one of those who are faithful to God. And... It's interesting that Isaac is still alive. He is 10 years old when Shem dies. Mm. Okay, so Shem is after the flood. You've got all these stories of Abraham, Isaac. Isaac is 10 years old when Shem dies. That's the age that he is. So it's possible for him, uh, um, Shem, to share the oracles of God right down to his generation. Isaac has Jacob. Jacob has Joseph. Uh, Jacob wrestles with God. There's a great story in that we don't have time for. And with the timing of Joseph, the 75 people who are alive at the time from the lineage of Shem go into Egypt. And they survive extreme famine by doing that. What happens next? Well, that's the story for next week. So coming back to the opening illustration of Married... Just like how my wife and I made this contract when we were married and we sealed it with two rings uh, and a meal, God made this contract with humans through the lineage of Shem and he entrusted them with the truths of God to faithfully carry out their role and pass this on from generation to generation but also to share with other people. Remember, Abraham, oh, sorry, Adam, Lamech, Shem, Isaac, Joseph, there's only four transformations or, 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 or passing on of the information from God through Adam and to um, those people right down to Egypt. So in reality, it's all there and all that you and I have to do is believe what's been recorded. But we need to get into a bit more of the information of that next week. Mm. If you already have enough information and you want to believe what God has put in his word, get in touch and we'll give you some more information. Yeah, do contact us. If you want to study this in more detail, if you um, really would like to speak to somebody who's um, done a lot of study of the Bible, I'm sure we can find somebody to get in touch with you and uh, have some personal um, time mm. and study with you. Uh, do text us in on this show and uh, we will pass your message on to whoever needs it to follow that up. So text us in on 04888880891. David, next week, uh, I think your title is The Word Restored and Ongoing. Have I got that right? Mm, that's correct. What's, uh, what's that going to be about next week? Yeah, so next week we're going to look at um, beyond what happens after they come out of this time of captivity and how God helps to restore it so we can have confidence in it today. Okay. And, uh, of course, our book offer for today, if uh, we've still got one or two left, I'm not sure, uh, Ancient Words, Present Hope, What the Old Testament Teaches About Revelation. Text word number two on 488 891. And tomorrow we've got Billy Martinez for the first time on Faith FM um, Tassie Encounters on our Connecting the Dots program, Journey to Ministry. Join us tomorrow at 9am for his testimony. Uh, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thank you for joining us and may you have a good rest of your day and feel God's gentle presence with you. Thank you for joining us, David. This is the Sparrow Song by Alison Brooke. Thanks, Carmelina. 
seems almost absurd that my creator fills me with praise and I Through trees.